welcome to the Casual Fridays REI podcast, where you'll learn about the wildly profitable niche of land investing. Active land investors Adam Southey and Justin Sleva are here to share their experiences with you so that you can learn how to build massive cash flow and huge profits from this highly lucrative niche. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Adam Southey and Justin Sleva. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Adam Southey here with my co-host, Justin. And Sleva, and this is the Casual Fridays REI podcast. Today, we are so super excited because we have got Airbnb expert Kyle Stanley from the Fearless Flipping podcast with us today. This is a subject that we know a lot of people are really interested in. So, we're, man, we're pumped to have him on. Yeah. Hey, Kyle. What's going on, guys? Excited to talk about it. I was super taken back when we had, there was a conversation. We have a closed group with our, with our people that have bought our course. And turns out we have quite a bit of Airbnb traffic and investors and uh, I guess people that do Airbnb that are in our group. And I didn't know that. Like it kind of shocked me. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a pretty uh, popular subject. But before we jump into all that, Kyle, you want to give us a kind of like an overview of yourself, what you do, who you are and whatnot? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, I'm the host of the Fearless Flipping podcast. Started my real estate investing career in January 2019, uh, started this podcast thinking that I was really just going to be talking about like my journey and getting started as a new real estate investor, uh, which was a success in the first year. You know, we did three flips, uh, one burr, one wholesale. So that was a great first year. Really excited. And that wholesale was a piece of land that you guys helped me out with. So <laughs> shout out to you guys. Thank you so much. And then it was funny right around like, you know, the second or third month that I started doing this podcast, I started talking about how some of my business that I was building was through Airbnb and people started asking me tons of questions. And I was like, man, I thought I was the crazy one. I thought I was the weird <laughs> one that was doing Airbnb, but it sounds like everyone wants to do this. So, you know, Fearless Flipping is the name and uh, we really talk about real estate, but we really, really talk about Airbnb because that's what my audience has been asking for. So, it's been exciting. It's been a crazy journey and uh, really like going through college and thinking I was going to be the next ESPN sports center guy. Uh, then being here, it's like, okay, I'm in a much different position than I ever thought I'd be, but I love, love, love where I'm at right now. Awesome. So what do you think the allure to becoming an Airbnb, what would you call it? An Airbnb investor or somebody that's, I would say an Airbnb it. business, it's it's really cash flow. You know, that's what okay. it is. I wouldn't, I mean, yes, you're investing. Um, you're either investing in yourself through education, investing in furniture to, to furnish a place, or if you're going to be like the, you know, typical real estate investor, you know, buying a piece of land or buying a piece of land or buying a house and turning it into an Airbnb. Um, but yeah, I guess it depends on <laughs> what you want to be called there. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I think, one of the alerts, at least at least that what I see is that you can do uh, rental arbitrage, right? Is that something you focus yep. on or because I kind of feel like that's the new popular thing because not very many people can go out and easily buy 10, 20, 30 houses. So leasing them is that. So what's your thoughts on that? Well, that's why I started building this into a business. So I was really kind of like, you know, the the iceberg, you see only 10% on the top, 90% is down below the surface. That was me and Airbnb for the first four years. Um, I had bought a house and was just renting out a room, house hacking. And when I finally like listened to a podcast and heard about this rental arbitrage and doing an entire house, I was like, what? I didn't even, th I thought Airbnb was going to ask me like for the deed to the house to know that I owned it. And so I'm like, what do you mean? Like I can do this. So I got really serious about, um, educating myself and I think 
for me, the light bulb went off. And I think what I'm seeing now, that really is the light bulb that's going off for people is, holy cow, you know, I thought that only these really luxurious and nice places that you have to own, which can, you know, be out of a lot of people's budgets is really the only way to get an Airbnb. But now that you're seeing, hey, I can go rent a house and be a landlord's best tenant because I'm paying rent on time. I'm taking care of repairs if they need to happen. Uh, they're barely hearing from me because I want them, I literally want to be their best tenant. And that's what I teach my students too, is if you can convey that to the landlord, then you're going to be in that relationship year and year and year again. And that's a beautiful thing to just have to worry about, you know, the initial expenses of as low as $5,000, as much as you know, ten dollars to $12,000 if you're doing a big place and getting those returns back. The goal is always within the first, you know, four to six or seven months, which is a, a nice return. Yeah. Wow. How do you, how do you approach the uh, landlord about that? Cause I'm thinking myself, if I'm the landlord, why don't I do the Airbnb thing? You know, what's walk us through that. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Someone reached out to me the other day and I, and I just made a video about this and it was on the podcast too. It was basically saying, um, you know, rental arbitrage is a landlord's best option for a tenant. And the reasons why, and the way that I really convey it to the landlord is first of all, you know, I don't, I don't pitch landlords over the phone. I don't try to like be all suit and tie about them. I just kind of walk in and say, Hey, you know, I just want to see your place. I'm interested in renting. And after making a friend for like 10 minutes, complimenting their house, it, you know, passes all my specs. Um, I just share with them, hey, listen, you know, this is not really going to be, if you choose me, this is not really going to be a landlord to tenant relationship. This is more of a business to business relationship. Uh, you can kind of look at me as more like a manager than a tenant, because what I'm going to do, if you give me permission, is I'm going to be your best tenant. You're not going to hear from me very much. Uh, I'm going to repair the place. We're going to clean it five to seven times a week. If, you know, we have tenants and guests coming through that much. Uh, but the only thing that you just really need to be okay with is that I rent this out as a short-term rental through Airbnb. And then I list off all the reasons why I choose Airbnb because, you know, landlords are very skeptical. They only hear the the articles. You know, a friend of mine just sent me an article this morning and it said something like, oh, uh, homeowner finds drugs, knives, and splurts of blood over the walls from an Airbnb <laughs> guest. And and I said to my friend, I was like, yeah, you see these articles, but you don't hear about the articles that say, uh, landlord who rents out long-term house uh, finds out that their house has been used as a whorehouse for the last year. You know, yeah. <laughs> like you don't hear those things. You only hear about it on the Airbnb because it's a new hot topic, right? Uh -huh. But so these landlords, they're very guarded when it comes to Airbnb because they're seeing all these articles. And so I just need to kind of talk them off the ledge and tell them, hey, listen, I've hosted over a thousand guests. Mm -hmm. And in my time of those thousand guests, I've had two parties thrown. And those two parties basically, you know, were something that were my fault because I didn't really look at my tenants the, or I didn't pre-screen my tenants the way I should have. I've learned from those mistakes. And now I'm proud to say that we hardly ever have any issues. And mm -hmm. so that that's really, you know, the pitch that I'm giving to them to help them feel comfortable about this relationship. I mean, think about it from the landlord's perspective. He has a third party rating you every time. So you're getting rated by the guest on his property and then you're the one taking the brunt of that. So you're the one that's really putting your reputation on the line for that, for that property. And so like oh, you said, yeah. you're going to clean it, repair it. You're going to be his best tenant because somebody else is judging you on it, not him. Exactly. Well, and, and to go back to your question too, Adam, I think what you just said there, Justin, leads into this this like ongoing relationship that happens with the landlord. So 
I, the first landlord that I started doing rental arbitrage with, you know, she was very, I mean, she was a lawyer dotting the I's, crossing the T's. How am I going to be insured? Asking all these questions. And for her, it was very scary. So what I did is I told her, Hey, listen, I can see that, you know, you're really worried about this. You're asking for $1,200 a month uh, for rent. What if I gave you $1,300 a month for rent? And she was like, yes, that, that would definitely put my fears to rest. So, you know, I saw the opportunity to be making, you know, close to a thousand dollars a month here. So an extra hundred bucks, I was willing to do that. Well, what happened in the next three months was that I built up this relationship with her where she was asking for rent on the first, I was paying it on the 28th, the 29th, the 30th, a few days before. Um, she would text me and ask me how things are going. I'd give her great updates. If she needed pictures of the place, I'd send her pictures of the place. I just created this relationship with her that really was built around trust and communication. And so what happened was she calls me up and she says, hey, I've talked to another landlord. They want you to manage my uh, another place. And then she starts hearing positive things from his st standpoint. Now she says, hey, I've got a three bedroom, three bath that's opening up. How about you manage it? I furnish it and you know we split the profits. And so all these oppor opportunities start to come up because you know I, I create trust and I create a relationship that's based on exactly the things that you just mentioned, Justin, which is being a landlord's best tenant. Yep. Mm, wow, that's awesome. I love that it's layered on there for you. We see a lot of people. We talk about the shiny object syndrome where you go chasing this other rabbit, and yours is just kind of laid on. Hey, I've managed some other Airbnb properties. I got this arbitrage and just keeps growing your business, and that's amazing to see to me. Yeah. How time consuming is something like that? I mean, other ways to outsource things is. I got to assume at this point, you're not going and cleaning houses. You're not doing all this stuff, right? So what's that like? I, I really, really have found a formula that I think works good for any business. Um, I call it the mass formula, master, automate, and then simply scale. And so that's how I treat this business. That's how I treat any part of business from flipping to Airbnb to now, you know, doing this education business. That's how I'm starting to do it. So, you know, anyone that's starting an Airbnb, can get to that point of scaling, but they have to automate it. I put in one hour a week for all of my entire Airbnb business. And the reason for that is because I have a great manager who is kind of like the wall between me and everything else. Like if it has to touch her before it comes to me. So she takes on scheduling. She takes on communication with guests. She takes on, um, you know, basically getting the repairmen out there, the cleaners out there, um, she does inventory checks. She does all those things that I was doing in the beginning. And so I was able to hire someone that does an amazing job. And then the rest of it from communication with guests to scheduling, a lot of that is actually automated through some great softwares that Airbnb has or uh, third party Airbnb platforms have like smart BNB, beyond pricing, things like that, that really make my life a lot easier too. Well, that's awesome. With one hour a week got you kind of perked up over there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, like that. I love, I love systems and setting things up and scaling and stepping back let let it become a business right because it yeah that's the only way to grow is if you treat it like a business and not creating a job for yourself would try not to be i don't want to come across as like a dick here or anything but if your manager left what would you do would you be able to replace her or so know, that's it what seems I'm, like it's, instead of it just being you you just replaced you with somebody else yeah so that that's one thing that we're working on right now is as we're looking to double our business in the next month here basically bringing on a to quote the uh the office and assistant to the assistant regional manager. <laughs> so um, we're, we're looking to bring in a, a second person that basically when my manager is sick, when my manager needs a nap in the middle of the day, when my manager, you know, she's a single mom. And mm -hmm. so she's got a very, you know, 
busy schedule outside of what she's doing with Airbnb for me. So I'm, I'm always right now looking for ways to be able to make her job easier and to have that backup just in case that happens. And then, you know, creating systems within the business to where even if I die that, you know, someone can go in there and, and just see from start to finish, Hey, here's exactly how we run this business. So, you know, systems, that's what I'm all about. Cool. Nice. What about location? I mean, they say in real estate, everything, uh, location, 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 right? And then I see some of these Airbnb ads where this person's leasing a home in the middle of nowhere and they say they're booked every night. I mean, is it destination towns or what have you found here? So Fresno, California is where I live. Okay. I have a 90 to 96% occupancy rate very normally from month to month. People are blown away by that. Because they're like, Fresno, California? Why is anyone going there? And for those of you that aren't from Fresno or don't know where that's at and you hear the word California, you must think, oh, it's near a beach. It's nowhere near a beach. We're in a valley. It's horrible air. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, why would people want to come here? And so that was my first thought was, hey, like, why are people actually booking this? And so yeah. what I've found is it really depends on your area, but there has to be either a strong want or a strong need. And okay. in Fresno, there's a strong need. There's a lot of people that move away that want to come back and see their family, their mom and dad. Uh, but now they've got a family of four or five. They can't fit in mom and dad's guest room, and they don't want to pay for two rooms at a hotel. Tons of employees that are coming into town. And then you get the occasional traveler going from like Yosemite, the Sequoias, uh, L.A., San Francisco. But then you've got like my friend New uh, Nate, who's in Newport Beach strong want, right? It's right next to the beach. It's an amazing place. Um, and he does $4 million a year off of about 35 listings. And that is a very seasonal thing. Me, I'm very steady. I'll make like $1,000 per place and it'll be very steady throughout the year. You know, he's got months where he makes $5,000 per unit and then months where he's just breaking even because people aren't going to the beach in those months. So, it really is based on your market. At the end of the day, um, as long as there's a strong want or a strong need, then you're in a good place. Wow. Can uh, an area be oversaturated with Airbnb? How do you measure that? Or are there tools to measure that? Or Yeah. So there's this thing called AirDNA, which I use a lot of. For example, Houston. I haven't actually looked at Dallas, but like Houston has over 8,000 Airbnbs that are active over there, which is wow. wild to think about. So the more, I guess... Uh, whether you want to call it competition or saturation, whatever it is, the more that you have of that, the more niche down that you got to be. So there's this really cool thing that a lot of people are doing, which is themed Airbnbs. Okay. I've heard of the Traveler Airbnb, the Couples Airbnb. I've even heard of a Unicorn Airbnb. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of things uh, out there that are different. And so the more that you have competition, the more that you need to be different. Wow. wow. Can you do this remotely? Could you do it in Denver from Fresno? Yeah, you know, that's the million dollar question a lot of people ask. I personally don't build my business that way just because we have so much damage to do here in Fresno that, you know, I'm just kind of thinking, why would I go outside of my location if I know that I can completely blow it up here? But I know a lot of people that are managing from afar, like a lot from afar. I was just, I had someone on my show the other day who basically is doing 25 units and I think only two are in her backyard. Yeah. And so as long as you have those great teammates that you can trust and people that you know are going to answer your call and are going to follow your system, you can really do this from anywhere. Well, so how do you, I mean, that's, you kind of hit on it there. How do you build that team? What has your, been your secret to success with that, getting the right team in place? Yeah. I mean, just like anything, I, I just think one of my strengths is networking. 
So like my manager, I found her just by posting on Facebook and asking, hey, you know, who is interested in some real estate related activities and has a flexible schedule between 11 to four every day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I started her out as just a cleaner and I told her, you know, if you pass the the test with cleaning, then I'm going to start bringing you in and giving you more responsibilities. And now today she's the best part of my team. Cleaners, I've hired and fired a few cleaners. <laughs> That's the back blood or the backbone of the business. Yeah. You know, you can have a, a great price cleaner and they can go and clean on time every single time. And that's great. But if the reviews are, Hey, we just took a broom to the place for two minutes and here's the picture of the dust that we collected. Uh, that's, that's not good. <laughs> so continuously finding a cleaner that's not going to either rob you of good reviews or rob you of money by charging too much is a really big deal. And then Repairmen. With cleaners and repairmen, I always have backups in case something happens, in case there is you know, a plumbing issue and my repairman or my plumber can't get out there because they're on a different job. I got to have backups. Um, so that would be my biggest suggestion there. And then uh, especially being far away, if you're going to be far away and you're going to arbitrage, you have to have an interior designer. You're not going to go buy all the furniture, fly out to Houston or Dallas if you're in California and go furnish it. But if you are managing, you know, again, the difference there is that you're splitting the profits with the owner. Um, the owner needs to be in charge of all the financials of that. So you can outsource that to the owner or you can outsource that to an interior designer. Wow. Hmm. I never thought about managing it. Like I've always thought, you know, the arbitrage part, but never thought about bringing that landlord in as a partner. That's that's an interesting spin on that to me. Yeah, I think I've seen it. What do they call it? This is called like being an Airbnb. Well, what do they call that? Co-host. Co-host. Yeah. Oh. You're basically a property manager, but you're called a co-host. The thing that I really like about that side of it is you can scale, you know, oh, yeah. unlimited because you have you don't have to worry about money. You know, you can scale with anything as long as you have the ability to raise money. Some people out there don't want to raise money, don't want to find ways. So one of the things that people can do is start with managing right away. The only difficulty there is that you have to, you know, have a little bit of either trust with that landlord or you need to have a little bit of like some credibility. And if you say, hey, I've never done Airbnb before, but I want to manage your property, that's yeah. a really tough conversation to handle. Um, so I always suggest get some arbitrage under your belt. Heck, do a room out of your house and yeah. get some reviews. And, you know, the landlord's not going to know if that was an entire place or your room, you know. So, hey, here's all my reviews. I got 50 reviews. They don't know that that's a room or an entire house or what it is. As long as they can see that, they see that you've got a little bit of credibility. I think that's probably my favorite piece of advice he just gave because it takes me back when I went and met with a money guy on a million-dollar property. And my my way to get into his office was I've done 37 real estate deals, and I live two doors down from you. didn't even know I was there, and you're the biggest real estate investor in our town. And he's like, it's true. Can you be here at one? And that's what got me <laughs> in the door. Now, whether he knew they were $100 an acre deals or $10,000 an acre deals and they're 100 acres or whatever size they were, he didn't know. He heard the amount of transactions and said, well, well, this guy's doing that next to me and I don't know him. I need to know him. And like you said, you know, they don't know if it's a house or if it's this or that. You know, it's, it, it just builds that credibility for you. Exactly. I was just going to say, how well do you think my reviews would be um, if my German shepherd consistently barks at you the entire time you're here? <laughs> <laughs> the good – I'll tell you this. I've – Every time that I did uh, house hacking through Airbnb, uh, I've had a dog. And so as long as you just you know, are really open and honest about having a dog and even saying, hey, he barks a lot, and, but if you love dogs, you're going to love this place, you'll attract the people that want to be there. Nice. Yeah. Justin, we've, we recorded my house. Justin's probably been at my house a minimum of once a week for 
over a year for sure. Mm -hmm. My dog barks at him for the first 10 minutes every time. (laughs) There's Uh, these great things called bark collars. They work like yes, please, no, no, (laughs) please, just let me shock him. (laughs) I love dogs. And this dog, me and him, we're we're still trying to decide who the alpha is in this group, and he doesn't he doesn't like that I'm his alpha. (laughs) No, that's that's awesome. You know, one of the things that you know for me that got Airbnb got interested in me is I have a sister-in-law that's a traveling nurse. And that's what she does for three months every time she goes and sets up through Airbnb. That's her first stop. And for her, that's been a good niche. And it found into where you see these people that do the house hacking uh, with Airbnb and they do it for specialized crafts. Like you live next to a hospital. Hey, we have traveling nurses, traveling doctors. It's a nicer place. She knows she's not going to be bothered. They understand she's going to work nights or days. And, you know, it's always worked out extremely well. I think there was only one time it was kind of weird and she uh, got out of it and went on her way. But, uh, you know, that's yeah, it's a neat thing to me is when you get that niche, like you said, specialize in your niche and know where your area and your demand is. Exactly. And that's that's a great way to start an Airbnb, too, is just, you know, you can even set the minimums to 30 days, 60 days, 90 days that they have to book. And that will attract a lot of those kinds of people. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Cool. So if you had to sell the Airbnb business to one of your buddies, like you're excited, you hadn't seen him in 20 years and it's like, hey, dude, check out this thing I'm doing. Give us that pitch real quick. And then we'll let you plug your. Put him on the spot, Justin. I know. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I think, think this interview just did it all for him because I'm ready now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, guys, the the way that I tell it to everyone is, I went from a thousand dollars a month to fifteen thousand dollars a month in five months, and I'm working one hour a week. Wow, sold. Sign me <laughs> <Yeah. up. laughs> so, how do we find you if we're a listener that wants to know, learn a little bit more about the Airbnb business and what you do? Yeah. So the easiest way is really just through um, our social media, Instagram, fearlessflipping316 is Instagram. You can also get us on our Facebook page. We have a free, absolutely free Facebook page that is called Airbnb Masterminds. So I think if you just Google Airbnb Masterminds on Facebook, you'll find us. Again, that's completely free. That's a great resource. But my number one resource is fearlessflipping.com forward slash Airbnb host. There's a few things that you can get on there. So this is a very interactive page that's designed to help the person that is getting into Airbnb have a step-by-step understanding of how to get started in Airbnb. One of the things that's on there that I developed that I love is our Airbnb calculator. So if you're like, man, I would love to do this whole Airbnb thing and I think I've got a, an address in my mind of what I, where I want to do it, I just have no idea what it's going to make me. You download this calculator and boom, it's going to spit out exactly what you could potentially make if you do this the right way. A very big disclaimer there because it's the variable is you. You got to do the work. You got to do the right systems. And on that page too, you have an opportunity to book a call with me. I always love hearing from people and answering questions one-on-one. And if you're just like, man, I want to blow up this business, you'll see um, an application down at the bottom of that page to join my uh, Airbnb mastermind group, which is uh, something that we're doing every four to six weeks. It's a small group of five to 10 people that really want to start, automate, and scale an Airbnb business. Wow. Awesome, guys. Go check it out. This interview has been great. I've loved all about learning about it. Thank you so much for being here, Kyle. So make sure you go check him out everywhere. And that was that Facebook was Masterminds at the end of it with an S on it, right? Masterminds? Yeah, yeah, Airbnb Masterminds. Okay, perfect. So go check him out. And then while you're checking him out, go check us out. As always, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Then go to iTunes. Go to Stitcher. Go to wherever else you're listening to us. Like, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. We appreciate it. We love you. See you Friday. Kyle, thanks. Thank you.